0: You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 75. Hello and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezinski, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife and mom of four. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brizicki, And today we are going to talk all about self-sabotage. Yes, this is the thing I hear from so many of you, that you struggle with self-sabotage, that you set a goal and then you're like, why the heck don't I do it? Why don't I take the action? Why do I take action that is actually like keeping me from the goals that I want to hit. And so if you are somebody who self-sabotages or you've experienced this in your health and fitness journey, you are not alone, my friend. It is something that is so, so common. And the good news is, is it something that absolutely can be something that you get better at and that um, trips you up less and less over time? And so my guest today is Rebecca Mudrick, and we talk all about this concept of self-sabotage, what it is, how to know when you're experiencing it, what it might look like in actual like examples, and then even more importantly, what you can do about it. And the great news is, is that it can get better. It's not something that you just have to like deal with for the rest of your life. It definitely is something that can be improved. And Rebecca does a really good job of breaking that down for us and giving us some really actionable steps so that when you leave this podcast... When you start to recognize those self-sabotage moments in your life, you will have the tools to be able to know how to move past it and how to stop that self-sabotaging behavior. So without further ado, let's hop into the interview with Rebecca Mudrick. Hello. I would love to welcome Rebecca Mudrick to the podcast. Rebecca, how the heck are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for asking. I am really excited to bring Rebecca on. We have such a good topic to cover today, and I'm just thrilled that she's willing to share her insights on self-sabotage. So we will, we will definitely get into that um, in a little bit. But I do want to start off just kind of doing a, a quick introduction of you and you, a little bit of your like fitness history and what it is that you currently do.
1: Yeah, so I am a mom of four boys. And I grew up out west, but I have actually spent 20 years of marriage kind of living up and down the East Coast while my husband was in 13 fabulous years of medical training. So fun. And Can't relate. Yes, I know you know how that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for the last eight years, we have lived in Columbus, Ohio, where I work as a yoga teacher and a health coach. And I have been an avid CrossFitter for almost eight years, and I have recently started indoor rock climbing as well. So fun. So, I don't know if you remember this, Amber, but you and I kind of lived parallel lives. Oh yeah, in Chapel yeah. Hill for a while. Yep, I moved there right so, after you moved out, right? Yeah, yeah. And I like spent four years working out at the gym where you taught all your group fitness classes, and I, I just think it's
0: so funny that we had stayed. Yeah, like, and, and you we had, totally would have been one of my instructors, right? And we had mutual friends. Like yeah. I became friends with some I of your, you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So as for my own health journey, um, I've always been really active and interested in the human body. um, And I've done a lot of reading on nutrition over the years. I actually grew up on a highly processed diet. I grew up like totally on so many refined sugars. I worked really hard over the years to change my palate, change how I ate. um, And it was not hard for me to maintain my weight for a really long time. But... Then we moved to Ohio. We renovated our kitchen. I did not have a kitchen for five months. We lived off of convenience foods. It got to the point where I was literally eating ice cream for dinner. And shockingly, I gained some unwanted weight. And that is when I reached out to you. Mm -hmm. And you helped me. Um, You coached me through losing the weight, through macros. And it was a really great experience. But I'm sure that you kind of had the same experience where as a fitness instructor, when you you know, use macros to slim down. People started asking you like, what is, what's your secret? Yes. You're a fitness instructor. You've slimmed down, like, tell me how to do it. And when I started teaching yoga and was able to slim down using macros, the same thing happened to me. Um, But I I felt like I didn't understand any of the psychology of habit change. Like I knew that I engage in behaviors of emotional eating and in behaviors of self-sabotage. And I knew that that was even just with like a really solid foundation of and, and a being really interested in nutrition to begin with and fitness. And so I just didn't want to dive into any of that with people until I dove into all the psychology behind habit change and like why we sabotage and why we emotionally eat and why it's so hard for us to be compliant with either the goals that we've set for ourselves or like the lifestyle changes we need to make to be healthy. Um, And so I went through, I enrolled in a health coaching certification program and um, along with my dear friend, Sarah launched a health coaching business called shift for health. And since then we have been working with clients to support them through habit change, managing stress, chronic illness, weight loss, um, all through like lifestyle changes like diet and exercise.
0: Yeah, this is so good because I do think that there are a lot of people who are like, you know, they lose the weight and you know they did some things that worked for them and and then like you said, people are like, how did you do it? And you know, then they just start telling people, well, here's how I did it, right? Here's like the steps that I took, and but the the piece that so many like, especially beginning health coaches are missing is that like just giving people those steps doesn't usually work in the long run because this piece of psychology that you're talking about that is missing. Um, and this, this is really, I mean, when you talk about habit changes and you talk about weight loss and you talk about actually like changing your life, it does come down to a ton of the psychology. So I love that, that that's what we're going to talk about today and, and kind of dive into. Um, okay. So w- when you are coaching clients, um, I'm interested, what is one of the, the, most like reoccurring themes that you see with your clients of like why they're not able to hit their goals?
1: So I think with women in particular, and most of my clients have been women, um, a lot of times I think it comes down to really being taught from really early on to prioritize taking care of other people Mm, and to feel like it's our job to make everybody happy. And we use that as like an avenue... To self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that we struggle with the stress and overwhelm, overwhelm of raising our families, of engaging in meaningful work, of taking on a majority of the mental load and managing our household. And like that stress and overwhelm and all the big feelings that come with it, I think lead to a lot of self-sabotage. It leads to a lot of emotional eating, it leads to a lot of defeating self-talk. Uh, and, but it's just the reality for so many of us that we have more on our plates than we know what to do
0: with. Mm. Uh, yeah, I had never considered like that, this stress of taking care of others. Um, and, and it's, and you know, so then we ask, okay, well, what's the solution, right? What is the solution just to like, get rid of taking care of others, right? Like, I don't know, <laughs> go off and like, not take care of our families. No, like that's not the solution. So, oh, yeah. so how do, how do we take this reality of, you know, the experience that a lot of women are feeling, they have families, they have husbands, they have partners, they have communities, like they have all of these things that they're doing. How do we then balance that and make sure that we are still being able to take care of ourselves and hit our goals? That's
1: such a good question. So I think a lot of it comes from switching from an either or mentality to a both and mentality. Yes. I think so often like either i am a good mom i am a good coworker i have a, a house that is clean and i'm putting food on the table or i can take the time to count macros to eat whole foods to exercise you know this many times a week to take care of myself in these, these ways to get 7 to 8 hours of sleep a night we really look at it as an either or when a simple mind, a mindset shift to both. And like, I can be both a great partner and mother and coworker and friend and still live in alignment with my health goals. Like that mindset shift is huge because really like there's no one set prescription for being a great mom and a great partner and a great coworker. There's so many ways that we can do that. And if we're willing to engage in that both and thinking and think creatively, we can totally have like, you know, we can show up for our people in the way that we want to and show up for ourselves and work toward our goals.
0: Yeah, so good. And I found I find that um, either or mindset a lot in um, the mom entre- entrepreneurial space as well, where they're like, You know, I wanna be a good mom, so I can't have a business, or like I can't can't do it, I can't do both, right? And so then they they're like, well, you know, of course being a mom is more important to me, so I'm gonna put that first. And you know, I can't do both, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do the mom thing, which there's nothing wrong with making an intentional choice about where you align your values. But what Mm -hmm. I wanna tell a lot of women is that like, yeah, if you're gonna ask me, do I want my business or my family, like I'm gonna choose my family every single time but we don't have to choose. Like it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be like I have to choose one. You can you can choose both and I think mm-hmm. that just opening your mind to that possibility of like I can be a great mom and a great businesswoman. I can be a great coworker and I can look my best. Like those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. You don't have to say which one is more important. You can make room for both. And that's a powerful place exactly. to be as a woman. Yeah. Definitely. So Definitely. I'm interested and curious as to, we've kind of you know talked a little bit about this idea of self-sabotage. I'm curious what your, what would you define self-sabotage in, as? So
1: I look at self-sabotage as behavior that is not in alignment with, or maybe even takes us further away from who we are trying to become. Mm-hmm. So we've identified a goal or something we want more of in our life, And then we make choices that don't help us progress toward that goal or even just take us further away from it. And the self-sabotage that I see in myself or in my clients really is rooted in the most primitive part of our brain, feeling threatened by change and wanting to revert back to old patterns and habits,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: even if those old habits aren't serving you well. They are keeping you alive on a day-to-day basis, which keeps the primitive part of our brain calm and happy. And when we tap into that higher level, like thinking part of our brain, that's the part of our brain that's like, yes, you know, I want to eat better. I want to get more fits. I want more energy. I want to feel strong and empowered in my body. We tap into that higher thinking part of our brain and we start working toward those goals and then we disrupt the status quo. Mm -hmm. And that is when the amygdala, which is that really primitive part of our brain starts to like send up little red alerts and we feel like really, a really strong urge to revert back to old patterns and habits. And our brains are super smart and they're super sneaky and they come up with all kinds of stories and excuses about why we should sabotage and revert back to old habits. And, you know, and that's, that's primarily why it shows up is because you know, when we start living in a way that we haven't before, the, the primitive part of our brain is like, this is risky behavior. I don't know that these new patterns and habits are going to keep us safe. Um, and, and so then we have all kinds of desire to just revert back to who we used to be. Um, I think it's really worth noting also that sometimes self-sabotage can be deeply rooted in trauma like abuse or sexual assault. And I want to point this out because the, the things that we're going to be talking about today, um, are, are not going to be helpful for that kind of self-sabotage, that kind of self-sabotage. Um, if you know, your listeners feel like that is where their self self-sabotage is rooted. They need to seek the help of a trained therapist to help them work through all of that. Um, That is like way beyond the scope of where I think our conversation is going to be going today.
0: Perfect. Yeah. I'm glad you made that really clear. Um, So, And I love that we're getting into like the neuroscience of this. That like makes my (laughs) nurse heart happy. Um, But can you just for anybody who like this idea of a higher brain, lower brain um, concept, if this is new to them, can you just explain that just a little bit more of like, what's the difference between the two and what's the relationship between the two?
1: So we have this really primitive part of our brain, the amygdala, and it really is like the very first part of our brain that developed like, you know, when we were primitive people. I mean, it's kind of like your caveman brain. And that part of our brain is is really just concerned with the most basic human needs, like food, shelter, safety. Um, You know, that's really like it just is calm and fine and happy as long as we are engaged in behaviors where it feels like we're going to we're going to be safe we're going to be able to stay alive but then we have this you know higher thinking part of our brain and that is the part of our brain that we engage when you know we decide that we like want to go back to school and get a degree we want to you know, better our lives in some way. Maybe we, you know, want to take a trip around the world or, you know, eat vegetarian or it's, it's the part of our brain that really is like seeking growth and seeking um, fulfillment and kind of all the rewards that come from that. Uh, but those things are disruptive, right? And without those kind of neural pathways yet to signal that like, okay, well, you know, up leveling my health in this way, or securing my finances in this way, you know, will keep me safe and keep me happy. There's just kind of this period of time where the primitive part of your brain is freaking out. And it's during that time where you really just kind of have to like fake it till you make it and remind that primitive part of your brain to calm down where you acknowledge what it's saying, like, okay, I hear you. I understand what your function is. I am grateful that you are trying to keep me safe and alive, but I have these goals, these desires that are going to, you know, provide me with growth and fulfillment and happiness. And so I'm, I'm going to keep moving in that direction and not buy into what you're telling me. And I think really like so much, I feel like the work that I do as a health coach is, helping my clients to understand that like they are not their brain. They have the ability to like acknowledge what their brain is telling them and then to make a mindful choice about whether they're going to listen or tell themselves a new story that's more helpful to them. So awesome,
0: yeah! And I want to get even deeper into what you said. We're gonna we're gonna definitely dive into that. One um, metaphor that I've that I've heard before that I find really helpful in understanding the difference between um, the lower brain and the higher brain is the one of the elephant and the rider. Have you heard this analogy? No, I haven't okay. heard this. It's so good. So the you know our higher brain is our conscious, our thinking brain. It's like how you make decisions. It's very logical. Um, is like is akin to a, a, a rider on an elephant. And the subconscious brain um, is like the elephant. Um, And so the rider sits on the elephant, but if the elephant wants to go one way, like the rider really can't stop it. Like it's the rider's going to go. So the rider can say, hey, we want to go this way. But like, if the elephant doesn't want to go that way, it's not going to happen, right? The rider cannot like necessarily overpower the elephant. So the only way for the the elephant and the rider to get where the, like the rider wants to go is for the rider to coax and, and, you know, convince and move and like adjust where the elephant actually wants to go. And so what, like what I'm hearing you say is that when we can get both, yeah, like getting the conscious brain for most of us on board is not hard, right? That's when we set a goal. Yeah. That's when we decide we want to do something yeah. different. Like we get that. The part that most people miss is that they don't then get the subconscious on board. And mm-hmm. if the subconscious is not on board, you will not ever get to where you want to go. And so that's what we're going to talk about today and, and how Re- Rebecca is going to give us some strategies of like, how do you get the elephant on board? How do you get the subconscious brain on board so that you aren't self-sabotaging um, and you can can get to that end destination because you, you have to have them both working towards the same thing or you'll self-sabotage. So good. Um, okay. So I, I mean, I think we've talked about, we've kind of identified what self-sabotage is. Can you give us maybe some examples of like how you see this actually come up in clients or how you've seen it come up on yourself so that if someone is like, okay, I understand Mm -hmm. this, but I'm not really sure. Am I self-sabotaging? Um, Give us some examples so that maybe you can see like what that actually looks like in practical life.
1: Yeah. So I'm totally going to use myself. Perfect. (laughs) I thought of an example when um, I was working with you counting macros and I remember having a weekly check-in with you and having to explain why I had totally blown my macros one day. And I had had a get together with the women from my church and I had not planned to eat anything. I had planned out my food for the day. I didn't want to deal with not knowing what was going to be served. I, you know, ate what I had planned and then went to the party full and satisfied and not planning to eat anything. But then once I got there, I felt all this pressure to have a plate full of food. So I ate, even though I wasn't hungry, I didn't want the food. I knew it wasn't in alignment with my goals. I knew I was going to have to explain it to you and feel sheepish. And I was totally kicking myself like during the evening afterward, wondering why I had sabotaged my macros, even though I knew better. And since, you know, doing my health coaching program and, and learning about the psychology behind sabotage, I realized that one of the biggest reasons that I sabotage personally is um, through a desire to please, through a desire like of a, for acceptance. And like, I did not want to offend the person who had planned the evening and spent all this time making all this food and, you know, sacrifice to host this beautiful event. I didn't want to offend her. And I didn't want to stick out by being the only person who wasn't eating a plate full of food. And so I like kind of freaked out about it and got a plate of food and ate it, even though I didn't want it. Um, and I, used to do that type of thing all the time where i would find myself in a situation where i was worried that i like wasn't being a good guest or i wasn't being a good friend or maybe i wasn't being a good mom and i would make up a story about what the other person needed or wanted from me and then i would sabotage what i needed and wanted for myself in order to quote unquote please the other person when I don't even know if that's what they wanted from me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's it's just like a story that I was telling myself about the situation.
0: Right. And and it goes back to that stress of caring for other people, like placing the needs of taking care of others before taking care of yourself that we talked about at the beginning.
1: Absolutely. And I, you know, I still struggle with this. Like on Saturdays when I want to work out, I'm used to working out on the weekdays when my husband and my kids aren't at home. But on Saturdays when I want to work out, I like really have to remind myself, like you can make the time to work out and still show up for them. Like, I feel like I'm going to inconvenience them if I say I'm going to take an hour to go work out, Mm -hmm. but really that's a story I'm telling myself. And the truth is, is that a, they would probably actually rather I leave the house so that then they don't have to do their chores and they can play video games (laughs) and b like, they are happy to help me meet my goals and but i don't even give them the opportunity to engage with me you know about that like i just assume because you create the story is, yourself yes yeah yes so for me one of the biggest triggers for self sabotage is a desire to please to want to be a good spouse a good mom a good friend a good coworker um but there are actually i think really kind of four main ways that I see sabotage showing up either in my life or in my acceptance piece. So it's like doing things that you don't really want to do to please other people or just doing things that maybe you want to do, but they're going to be at the expense of your goals that you have for yourself. And again, I think that this is that either or mentality, right? It's this, like I can either have another piece of cake with my friend or have another drink or skip my workout to, you know, go have brunch with you or I can, you know, meet my goals and make you unhappy. Like, um, our brains tell us that it's an either or situation, but the truth is, is that if we're willing to think creatively, it can be a both and, right? So that first one, desiring acceptance, pleasing other people is a big one, especially for me. The second one is this idea that something else always seems more important. And I think this also speaks to that, like, the overwhelm and the stress and the the busyness that we women experience this idea of like, I'm too busy. I'm so overwhelmed. Like next week things will calm down and I can take care of myself. Then I can pick my goals back up then. And then next week comes and it's more of the same. So something always seems more important. That's a really big one. Mm-hmm. Another that I'm sure you see all the time in your like macros one-on-one coaching is rewarding positive behavior with negative behavior. So I have hit my macros seven days in a row. I'm so proud of myself. So today I'm going to celebrate by like going all out crazy and eating a million calories. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) I feel like we've all done this to some extent, but you know, we see that a lot. Like I've been so good. I've been working so hard toward my goals. And so I'm going to reward myself by moving myself further away from my goals. Like I can't think of many other areas in our lives where we behave that way. Yeah. we work really hard towards something. Like we don't work really hard to accumulate money in a savings account and then reward ourselves by spending it all. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's like, there's just all these things where I'm like, I, I feel like with food and with our own health and well-being. For some reason, we just have this desire to sabotage in that way and a way that, that we don't necessarily have a desire in other areas of our life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the last big thing is soothing or numbing negative feelings with food. So, you know, the kids have been throwing tantrums all day. I'm going to lock myself in my bedroom with this pint of ice cream or my work presentation totally bombed. I'm going to have a couple glasses of wine tonight, like, you know, soothing and numbing those feelings with food instead of soothing and numbing big feelings in constructive ways that are in alignment with our health goals.
0: So good. Um, I'm going to add a fifth too, because one that I see a ton for my clients is um, they don't actually believe that they can accomplish the goal. Um, and they and so they set the goal, but they don't really think that they can hit it. And so when an opportunity comes up, it's like, well, do I keep going to this goal that I don't actually think I can hit? Or do I take the cake that's in front of me? Um, and so if you don't actually believe that you can accomplish it, that cake's going to, you know, going to be pretty easy to give in to the cake or not going on the workout or not doing your meal prep or not whatever, because in the back of your brain, you have this idea like, well, you're never, you're not going to do it anyway. Like you can't really actually get a six pack. You can't actually like lose that 10 pounds. And so then that self-sabotaging behavior comes out. um, So
1: like that, that is likely rooted in something deeper than just a lack of belief, right? Like potentially feelings of like unworthiness. Or, um, I don't know, like, what are your feelings about the Amber? I
0: I mean, I think, I think there is definitely for a lot of women, a lack of worthiness, um, and a lack of, of, um, just a lot of experience to back up this belief that even if they set a goal, they can not achieve it, especially when it comes to the health and fitness space, because so many women have had that experience where they set a goal, um, and then they don't hit it and it reinforces the story of like, it's impossible yeah, for me. Exactly. I don't, you know, I don't have, I, I have hormone issues. I'm too old. I, you know, mm-hmm. I can't go to the gym four hours a day, like whatever. And so we create these stories of like giving us reasons why it's not entirely possible for us. Um, and yes. we use those stories as, you know, excuse sure. to why well, we can't I think, take action.
1: Well, and my understanding is, is that, you know, if, If we believe that we can't actually lose those 10 pounds, then our brain is going to look for evidence that that belief is true, right? Totally. Yes. So then if you, if you do believe it, then your brain starts looking for evidence of to support it by that. Yeah. To support it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think that that's actually a really important one. Um, this idea of like identity. Yeah and of worthiness for sure.
0: Yeah. No, I think that that is a huge um worthiness and feeling enough and feeling um and you know feeling like you have a place that you're in, you're important enough not necessarily deferring to like the needs and wants and of others, which we you mm-hmm. know have ta- hit on a couple times. I think that for women specifically it is such a big one. Um, I'm sure some men struggle with that as well. I don't think that is only an exclusive female, but I do For think sure. we're definitely making generalizations. Yes, but I do think that it a higher percentage of women deal with those thoughts of and insecurities and feelings of worthiness um, mm-hmm. that definitely impacts the results that they are able to get in their life. Not only in the health and fitness space, but in in any in any space. Because if you don't feel worthy, like how are you going to? Ask for that promotion? How are you going to, like, you know, become the PTA present? How are you going to be able to, like, take action to, that is scary, like you said, that, like, oh, yeah, puts us in, sure. like, this fear place if deep down you don't actually feel worthy or enough for the things that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah.
1: Well, and when your self talk is in alignment with that deep down fear of unworthiness. So good. You know, yes. when your self talk is. You know, well, I'll never get the promotion. I'm never going to lose those ten pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know why I bother. I, you know, this never works for me. It's like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, it's just amazing how then that manifests to being true because we have the belief, we have the self talk to mm-hmm. go with the belief, and then we like manifest that in terms of like our, our what our actions mm-hmm. look like around that self talk and around that belief.
0: Yeah, and I think it's so funny because as moms or as Friends or as sisters, like we would never sit our kid down and say, Well, you know, last time you shot five baskets, you know, you attempted five baskets and you didn't make any. So you kind of suck and you probably should stop because you know what? Next basketball game, you're probably just going to suck as well and you're not going to be able to make any of the baskets. (laughs) Like we would never ever do that because how like, how demotivating is that to the kid? Like how like awful is that to their self esteem? Like, and yet we, so often we'll do that same self expression to ourselves. And so I think it's so good to like use, I I like to use that with my clients as like a way to step back. Like those things that you're telling yourself, like, would you say that to your child? Would you say that to your best friend? And if not, why not? And, and why are you saying it to yourself?
1: Well, and I think this also speaks to why it's so effective to use a coach or to have like an accountability partner who will totally call you out on this kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it was Jody Moore, um, life coach, Jody Moore, who's just so brilliant and amazing. And she, I read a quote from her that said, you can't read the label from the inside of the bottle. Mm. Like basically saying like when you're inside your own head, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to like step outside of yourself to like view what you're saying and how you're acting objectively And that's why it's so good to have a coach or, you know, somebody or an accountability partner who can objectively look at your behavior and say, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I think that it actually falls into into the category of self-sabotage or defeating self-talk or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I think we've done a really good job of like identifying what self-sabotage is. Um, we've given like some, some, Background of, like, you know, maybe where it's coming from. Mm
1: -hmm. Now let's
0: talk about how the heck do we fix this? Like, is this a lose lose situation? Are we just like all, you know, gonna self sabotage for the rest of our lives? What do we do about this? There's so much that
1: we can do. So I think one of the most powerful things that we can do in the moment is, well, after learning about it, I mean, I think just, you know, listening to this podcast, like doing a little bit of research or reading and like understanding what it is and then sitting and thinking like, how does it show up for me in my life? Mm -hmm. That's like the first step, right? But then in the moment, like calling it out for what it is. Yeah. And sometimes like, I will even say it out loud. And I tell my clients to do this also, like, I will literally be like, knock it off, Rebecca, this is self-sabotage. And it's calling yourself out on it, saying it out loud, gives you a chance to pause and make a mindful choice about what your next steps are going to be. And for me, typically after I call myself out, then my next steps are to change the story that I am telling myself in my head, which a lot of times is like, you know, I don't have time to make this dinner, this, you know, to prepare whole foods for my family tonight. I'm so stressed. I'm so overwhelmed. You know, it's all this self-talk that is not helpful. That's defeating. Um, or you know, if, if I'm feeling too busy to work out, but the reality is, is I can totally make it work. And my self-talk is like, Oh, but you should catch up on email and you should put in a load of laundry and you totally need to go grocery shopping and you don't have time for this. And it's fine. Like, You'll be able to just manage it today. You know, like I call it for what it is. This is self-sabotage. I know that my brain is making excuses. I know that my brain is engaged in defeating self-talk. I call it out for what it is. And then I replace that self-talk with something that's helpful. And if I'm having a hard time doing that, then I just shut my brain down and I will just repeat to myself, like, don't think about it. Just do it. It's going to be fine. Don't think about it. Just do it. And that allows me to mindfully make a decision, try and change my self-talk around the situation. And if my brain is still just screaming at me to procrastinate my workout or, you know, just go pick up takeout for dinner or whatever, um, then I know that I can just shut my brain down and focus on like not thinking about it and just doing the thing that I know is in alignment with my goals, and reminding myself this is actually important too. Reminding myself how glad I'll be later that night or the next morning. Like you'll be so glad that you just did the thing. Yeah, because I always
0: am. Right? Yep. Doing a little a little future pacing of yourself. Yes, that's exactly. awesome. So call it out for what it is. That's a
1: really big one. They'll stop you in your tracks. You can make a mindful decision about what your next steps are, and you can replace the self-talk with more helpful self-talk. Then the second thing is, it it is a really amazing tool, but it's going to require a little bit of prep work. So the second thing would be to refer to your feel-good plan. And I have all of my clients create what I call a feel-good plan. This is something, this is a technique that I learned from therapist, Cher Anderton. She is a dear friend of mine. She told me about it, and it has been the biggest game changer for me in terms of up-leveling my own health and wellness. And a feel-good plan is essentially your plan for processing stress, for processing big emotions in ways that are healthy and constructive and in alignment with the person you're trying to become. So a feel-good plan should always include deep breaths, and positive self-talk. A feel-good plan should never include numbing yourself with food or with screens. Um, some things that are on my good, my feel-good plan besides positive self-talk and deep breaths are like take a walk, turn on upbeat music, um, cry it out, uh, journal, pray, call a friend or family member who I know aren't going to like inflame whatever I'm feeling upset about. Take a hot shower. Um, There are you eat vegetables. Like if I can fuel my body in a way that's going to give me energy and help me feel really good, that is like I know that's going to help me feel better. Um, So developing a feel good plan and and learning to revert to your feel good plan is so huge in terms of processing big emotions stress overwhelm, anxiety, fear, worry, sadness, being upset, being angry in healthy, constructive ways. And when you start being able to do the things on your feel-good plan, then you actually feel better versus managing those emotions through self-sabotage, like numbing through food or self-sabotaging out of anger at yourself, you know, sabotaging in a way that might even be a little bit destructive toward yourself. Those things are not going to help you feel better or might like numb in the moment, but then all those feelings are still there. Uh, I used to be a really big emotional eater. I would stuff all of my emotions and I would always be fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, no, no matter what was going on, I was fine. And then I would just eat and eat and eat and eat because I totally wasn't fine. And then I'd feel terrible because all i had eaten for like two weeks was chocolate. And then I would totally have a big meltdown and kind of like reset and feel better. And now that I have a good working feel good plan, I have no desire to emotionally eat anymore. And it wasn't even that I set out to not emotionally eat anymore. I set out because I wanted to learn to process emotions in ways that were healthy. And so I started using my feel good plan. And at first I was like, Oh, this is so annoying. I would just rather eat chocolate. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait a second, but I feel so much better. And so that is like a strategy that you can use in the moment is revert to something on your feel good plan. Take deep breaths, engage in positive self-talk, you know, change the music to something positive and upbeat. That's going to get you into a better mood, you know, go meditate or do some breathing exercises, step outside for a few minutes and take a walk around the block. Like you, will learn through trial and error what the things are that you can do in the moment to help yourself process big emotions. And by processing those emotions in healthy ways, you lose the desire to emotionally eat and sabotage in that way.
0: That's so awesome. And so, I mean, you kind of answered the question, but I would like you to just to speak a little bit more to it. If you have anything else to say, like, is, is it possible to move past this self-sabotage to like not have it occur anymore? Or are we looking at, you know, the self-sabotage is going to occur, but you're just going to be able to deal with it and, and move past it. What, you know, what do you think is really a realistic goal or expectation for people as they go through this process?
1: So I think what is possible is to dramatically reduce incidences of self sabotage. But I think just by being humans, we're never going to be able to never experience sabotage again. Right. Like even if you are really aware of how it's showing up in your life, you've been doing a lot of work to uh, avoid self-sabotage, to move past it. You're like, we're all still going to be in situations where we are exhausted. We're sleep deprived. We're stressed. Like we're going to revert to, old habits and patterns, or even just make a choice that isn't in alignment with our goals because our brains are exhausted, right? Our bodies are exhausted. Um, And so I think while you can dramatically reduce self-sabotage, I think that there, you know, and your amygdala is always going to be in conflict with your like thinking part of your brain, right? (laughs) Like if you continue to up-level your, your health and your life in meaningful ways, you know, you're going to exercise that part of your brain and it's going to get stronger and you're going to have an easier time of it, but you're still going to always like feel that tug. You'll just have more tools in your toolbox to deal with that pull to revert back to the status quo. Um, But I think because we're human and we have flaws and imperfections, um, hoping for no self-sabotage ever again is probably not realistic, but we can make leaps and bounds progress and, um, really find like growth and fulfillment and happiness with so much fewer, like roadblocks, if that
0: makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the last thing that I wanted to ask about this, because, um, we've kind of, you know, glossed over it, but I find that it, it is a real challenge for a lot of women to rewrite those stories because mm-hmm. uh, kind of like we talked about, we don't see those stories as stories. We, we see them as like, no, 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 this is the way it is. Right. Like I really don't, I really don't have time. Like I really, you know, I really do need to like do X, Y, and Z. No, I, you know, I re like it shows up for us as like, no, 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 this is just like the way that life is. So for somebody who's struggling to like you know, take a look at those stories that they're telling themselves because they don't even see them as stories. What were some advice that you would give somebody who is like, okay, I I get this. I pause, I acknowledge it. I call it out. And then I look at these stories I'm telling myself, but I don't have any stories. Like, where are they? How would someone find those?
1: Oh, that's such an interesting question. So I think, well, it's really interesting because I always thought that I had really great self-talk. Like, oh, I have no problems mm, yeah. with negative self-talk. And I think that was because my understanding of self-talk was like, it's how I talk to myself about myself. Like, oh, you're so fat. You're so ugly. Like, you're so stupid. You, you know, you you never get it right. Like I have never engaged in that kind of self-talk. It's just not how I'm hardwired. And I felt very lucky that that's just not one of my like thought patterns, but yeah. I was like, oh, my self-talk is great the stories that I do tell myself, which took me, I mean, like this was truly like a recent discovery, like in the last two months, probably where I realized like, Oh my gosh, like I actually have a lot of unhelpful self-talk where I'm in a situation. And instead of having helpful self-talk, my self-talk is like, you know, I'm so stressed. I'm so tired. I hate this so much. I don't even care anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, um, Talk that feels very true in the moment, but is unhelpful, right? And it's totally, again, you know, you're talking about like, you would never talk to your kid, you know, like he's trying to learn basketball. Like, you know, I wouldn't say those discouraging things to someone else. And so I think initially it's important to like, be curious about it. Start getting curious about it. Like start noticing what the dialogue is in your head. I think it's really helpful to like, listen to podcasts where they're talking about things like this so that Mm. you can like gain a better understanding of like, you know, how does that show up for different people? What, what does that sound like for different people? What strategies can I use to, to, you know, work through that? I think that that's helpful. I think using a coach that can kind of point that out is also helpful, but if you aren't doing those things, like get curious about it Mm -hmm. and like try and observe from an outside perspective without judgment, without guilt or shame, Like, how are you, what's that dialogue, um, in like a situation that's stressful or in a situation where you made a choice that wasn't in alignment with who you are trying to become? What was the dialogue going on in your head? And then recognizing that like, okay, that was my story. Like it felt true, but I'm going to get curious. Like, could, could it not have been true? Could it, was it an either or Mm -hmm. situation? Could it have been a both and situation? can I creatively think about how else I could have solved that problem so that I could have had, you know, that both and scenario instead of that either or scenario. So I really think probably just curiosity Mm -hmm. is like the first step, um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: toward identifying what those stories are and creative thinking around like how, how else could you have handled that situation?
0: That's so good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've learned about self-sabotage. I really, I know that people are going to find this really, really valuable because it's something that comes up so much in people's health and fitness journeys. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Last question. If people want to like connect with you, they love what you have to say, where can they find you?
1: So uh, my health coaching business with my partner, Sarah is called Shift for Health. So on Instagram, we are at Shift for Health and online, we are shiftforhealth.com. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much, Rebecca. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rebecca, and now you feel a little bit more confident moving forward, being able to help extinguish self-sabotage from your own journey. I love how Rebecca was able to break it down into different things that can cause that self-sabotage, and then the steps that we can take starting today. Like I want you to start this today. Put this into action to be able to move past that self-sabotage. What I find is that listening to podcasts is really great, and you get a lot of knowledge, and you get a lot of information. But that knowledge and information doesn't do anything until you start putting it into action. And so before you leave here, I want you to commit to starting to follow the steps that Rebecca talked about, where you start to recognize and pull out those those thoughts um, that are creating those self-sabotaging behavior, being able to examine them, decide if you want to create new stories, and be able to rewrite that for yourself so that you can really move past those self-sabotaging behaviors. I loved this idea that Rebecca talks about of creating a feel-good plan, and just having that in your back pocket to be able to implement whenever you're you're feeling that self-sabotage, and you're starting to try and you know look at your thoughts and doing all these things. Having that feel-good plan in the back of your pocket is such a good way to recenter yourself, reground yourself, and recognize that you are in control and you are powerful and amazing, and you can make a choice, and that there and we didn't really talk about this, but I just want to add this last thing: that there isn't really a right or a wrong choice. That there's just a choice to be made, and there is maybe a choice that aligns more with your goals, and there's a choice that maybe doesn't align with your goals. And that doesn't always mean that you have to make the choice that aligns with your goals. I truly believe it is not self-sabotage if you are consciously making a choice that does not align with your goals because it aligns with a higher value for you. And that is what is called being intentional in your life and making choices and owning those choices and feeling that power that comes when you step into your ability to accept responsibility and make those choices throughout your journey. So that wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up sister friend.